Welcome to another episode of the Straight Up Texas podcast. Jared Sandler with you. No Hannah Wing this week. She just got married uh, and she determined that her honeymoon was more important than this. It's questionable. Uh, we will review that decision and whether she's got her priorities straight uh, next episode. But we are joined, as always, by the 2022 American League Silver Slugger at first base, a man who uh, is on a different streak uh, as we have this conversation he is the best-looking first baseman in Major League Baseball <laughs> with the best hat selection and probably the lowest handicap of any first baseman, although my statistical databases can't track that because I cannot confirm it through those databases. You just have to trust me on that. He is Nathaniel Lowe. Self-proclaimed best handicap. I'm sure there's some good golfers out there, but yeah, if we're gonna if we're gonna label it without any fact checking, I guess I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna argue with that. Absolutely. Um, can I be your caddy one day? Yes, of course. I think I'd be a good caddy. We'd have a good time out there, man. That's what golf is about, you know. If you can just get out, have a good time, enjoy where you're at, the strokes will line up how they're supposed to. I love your you. Whenever I ask you about how you played. You always have this like incredibly mature perspective. I think for that because you always have a good time. Golf is hard. I know you, and you get that. And maybe it's because you play a sport where it's also very hard. Yes. Uh, and I, you, I mean, there are definitely times you've communicated a degree of frustration about maybe some strokes that were uh, that were or added to your round that maybe shouldn't have been, but like <laughs> it always ends with a, but Hey man, I had a great time or this, you know, and whereas like when I play and I haven't played in a while, I'm not very good and I should have that mindset because I'm not good, but I am so, I get so frustrated. Oh, it's easy to get frustrated with, you know, but like, it, it, you know, the vast majority of golfers, whatever it is, 90 some odd percent are not going to break 90, right? Much less break a hundred. So like, if we're all bad at it, we might as well just enjoy it and have a good time. And like my, my guy down at the, uh, the baseball performance Institute in, in Baton Rouge is like partner with Marucci, right? They do some of our bat fittings and all that stuff. He, he's so funny, man. Cause he was really good at golf at one point and, you know, played overseas and all this other stuff. But now he's like, yeah, when I go out and golf, I, I, score my holes as birdie or not birdie. So like, you know, it's like, Hey, well, did I have a good hole or not? And you know, if I made a double, who cares? Uh, I'm in season. It's time to hit the moving ball. And you know, we kind of get paid to hit the moving ball instead of the still ball, which are equally as frustrating, but yeah, <laughs> birdie or not birdie is a really good way to go about it. And if you make, you know, if I have a good day, I make three birdies, maybe four and the doubles cancel them all out anyway. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good day. Where's the the best city to have an off day for golfing? Ooh. I don't know. I, I like playing in the Midwest. I like playing up north. Uh, I'm real excited about this off day coming up in Baltimore. Spores has some friends in the area, and he's hooking me up with a, a couple guys who are members at a really nice country club that I've never been to. So, uh, you know, I, I, I got pretty high expectations, but I love bank grass. I love playing out west. Um Honestly, I'll play anywhere. So it's, yeah. it's tough to say there's one best, but yeah, it's a, uh, yeah. Off days are good days. There, there are people in like various sports that say like, Hey, just give me a ball and a hoop and I'm good to go or uh, give me a bat and a whatever. Like I, you genuinely, I think you'd be happy at any course if there are nine holes or 18 oh, holes. A $15 goat track is better than not playing, you know, like Jonah, Jonah and I had this place in Bowling Green in in low a and it was like it was a municipal course it was a city course i want to say it was like 12 dollars play nine holes and like it if there were any sort of rules out there every shot should have been lift clean in place because the fairways were 
like <laughs> a little dirty, but you know, like I, it's better than not playing. So I, I drag him out of bed. We get Starbucks, go over there, have our day, hit a couple, hit a couple golf balls, play nine holes once or twice through, and then go to the yard. So yeah, those are those are memories that you know you can't erase, and they're they're so good not based around playing good or bad golf, but just hanging out, getting outside and getting a chance to play. Tell us something about Jonah because Jonah's a quiet guy. He's yeah. having this great year. Yes. I think he's he's opened up a little bit over the you know the last 12 months or what have you, but he, he's still, like you're someone, your personality is on your sleeve. Jonah plays with a mask, yes. right? You know, catcher, It's you don't see the face the way you do other players, but give us, you, you've been what you mentioned, Bowling Green. You guys were in the Tampa organization together. Yes. Tell me something about Jonah. Um, Jonah's been traded one for one for some really good players. You know, he he got traded for, I believe, the World Series MVP Steve Pierce, and that was a straight up trade with Baltimore, I think, at the time. And or, gosh, I could be wrong with that. And then he got traded for Wendell, Joey Wendell with Oakland. So uh, you know, there's he's a high value player, and he's kind of bounced around a lot. But like having him as a backstop with this team, with this staff, and then obviously doing what he's doing with the bat, like it just makes him a complete player and you know like seeing him grow into a husband and, and a dad and all this other stuff like where we were and where we were when i met him you know in in port charlotte in instructional league in 2016 and then you know now here we are whatever it is seven years later playing on the same major league team like hitting in the same lineup it's just it's just cool to see him develop as a guy and the rangers acquired him in the deal that sent elvis andrews to the a's and a lot of people thought of it as the chris davis trade because chris was the biggest name but Really, that was more of a, a financial move. The guy the Rangers really wanted was Jonah Heim. He was the... For good reason. Yeah, absolutely. And it's worked out really nicely. All right. So it's just you and me this episode. We do have some fan questions. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about your story, but we got sure. we got a few quick hitters first. Okay. Uh, so our, our first segment, just some random baseball talk. Uh, and I want to get your thoughts on just kind of the state of the team and update per usual. But before, you know, you made some headlines. Was it yesterday? Really? On Twitter? Oh. You uh you you made some comments about the AOS and I love it. You were on with Chris Rose. Oh my gosh, yeah. 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 I did the I did the Rose Rotation podcast last week. Yeah, okay. So I, I guess I only saw it yesterday. Uh is that going viral on Twitter? I don't know that it's going viral. I, I hadn't seen it, but I did have someone send it to me. And I love it because uh it kind of ties into something I brought up to you yesterday about standings watching. Sure. Yeah. But you said, I mean, if I'll paraphrase and tell me if I'm wrong that you saw prognosticators before the season say that this was going to be Houston's division. They were going to run away with it, blah, yep. blah, blah. Yep. And you know, yes, they won the world series last year, but no games great played team. this year. Yeah. Last year's team was a great team. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but then based on the evidence you've had so far this year, this division is the Rangers to lose. And, and what I, how I interpreted that is not just so that people don't run away with this. This isn't you guaranteeing like saying, Hey, the other teams stink, you know, we're the, but it's just simply like, Hey, we deserve a place at the table here. Right. Yeah. We deserve a part of this conversation. That's exactly where that's rooted. So yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, I mean, I have a Twitter account, but I'm not on there. So yeah. <laughs> so if that's getting retweeted, I'm sure I'm getting some real nice inboxes for some couch coaches out there that want to speak couch. their mind but yeah uh no i said that in full confidence and I, i'm not wavering off that opinion like i think that every major league organization every player on every team should fully believe that their team has a chance to win their division you know like obviously they're the outliers the the teams that are in the quote-unquote rebuilds but no i i am not 
apologizing for saying that the division is ours to lose because we don't show up to lose, right? And I know it's May and the standings are going to shuffle and and we're going to go through good stretches and bad stretches and things are going to shuffle out the way they're supposed to. But no, I mean, I, I think that even though obviously we still have 100 plus games to play, like we should be dead set on the fact that we are here to win this division. Like that's not a question. And if you come into it otherwise, like you're going to tell me that I go up t- to the dish and I don't expect to get a hit or like I see a ball hit at me and I don't expect to make a play like I mean you're just getting choked choked up I mean that's such an emotional conversation yeah I mean that's what it is you know but no I fully expect this team to win that's that's the bottom line yeah uh you know I tweet I this is really exciting you know the the start the teams got off to and I don't know I don't I'm not a baseball genius but like it's it's to me, it seems pretty obvious this is not like some fool's gold start, right? Does this mean the team is going to win 120 games? Doesn't mean that, but no. it means that you know this team is is for real. And you said, I think a part of that was, you know, basically come September, this team's going to be in the mix for you know conversations that extend beyond 162. Right? Yeah, I think the quote was, uh, "Something has gone horribly wrong if we're not in the hunt coming down the stretch." Right. Yeah. Because that's the truth. We expect to be in the hunt. We expect to win the division. We expect to win get into the postseason and make our run. Like, why else would we play? We don't play to come in second. So I think it's been great. I, I think fans have enjoyed this. I'll, I, every Sunday I'll tweet the standings. And, you know, I, I haven't done this the last six years. In the last six years, there really haven't been a lot of uh, Sundays where if you look at the standings, the Rangers are in a, a, a sexy place, right? Sure. Uh, and, and I know that, you know, obviously people are going to take it however they want on Twitter. And some people think it's uh, planting the flag like, hey <laughs> – but like ah, it's just it's just a fun thing because this team is it I agree with everything you said. Uh I'm curious like when do you standings watch? Because like I look at it because I what else am I gonna do? I think if I was in your shoes, I probably wouldn't look at it as closely, but I also don't know that I wouldn't be aware of what's going on. But I know that there's certain players that like they really don't know what the standings look like until say July. Yeah, that I mean that's that's fair. I would say if there was a time to start checking, it'd be the end of July and August. Because, you know, if you're if you're trying to make up games in September, that's tough. That's really tough. So we need to put ourselves in a position come late July, August, where we're rolling, we're taking care of the teams we're supposed to take care of, winning the games we're supposed to win and playing hard all the way through. And the standings are going to line up how they're supposed to. We can't control what other teams are doing. Like, you know, it's no secret. Houston's still good. Like, LA is going to compete. Like, Seattle's not playing as well as they want to right now. Like, there are teams in this division who it's going to shuffle, but that's a division race. You know, that's the major leagues, and we should expect to win. Like, that's that's the bottom line. After a game, do you look to see – I mean, I know you, you are a baseball fan, so I'm sure you are aware of things going on around the league, but do you make a point to see – how the Astros, the Mariners, the Angels, the A's did that night? No, I check the box score and I flip straight to Tampa and see how Josh got hit. <laughs> you know, that's it. That's it. You know, because like I, I don't know. I hate to say it, but that, like I expect them to win too. That's a good team over there. But yeah, I I want to see a couple marks in the H column for Josh and maybe an outfield assist and stolen base, and that's that. Yeah. yeah. But like as far as standings, you know, like the shuffle through the other divisions, you know, the East is tough. The East. They're all playing well. Like, there's no holes in that division. Um, I haven't checked up on the Central, but obviously, you know, like, we're on top of the West in whatever it is, May 23rd, like, you know. But what's what's the standings going to do in May? But, no, I, I'm not going back on those statements. If Twitter wants to do what they will with it and people want to send me messages, sure. But, no, we expect to win, and that's okay. 
Yeah, I think that I, I always find it weird when people get offended that athletes feel that way. Like it, like what? Well, yeah, it ma- it makes no sense. It's one thing if you're like the other teams in the league suck and we're not going to lose again the rest of the year. Like that's Crazy. that's silly. But to Crazy. say like, hey, like we believe we can win the division. What do you what do you expect? Yeah, and what do you expect? The, you know, we didn't. Yeah. You know, we didn't spend half a billion dollars in middle infield to lose. You know, we didn't yeah. buy one of the best starting rotations in baseball to lose. Like like it's it's okay to expect to win. Yeah. All right, 29 and 18. That's the record. Uh, do you even know, like, on a given day, if I asked you, hey, what's the team's record? Would you have any idea? I saw it on the scoreboard last night. Okay, so that's right. Yeah, I knew. Because, I, yeah, I started getting some Instagram notifications that I get tagged and, like, yeah, all this stuff from from that podcast. I'm like, well, all right. I, I feel like it was a little out of context, but sure. If that's the way people want to use it, then that's how it goes. That's the point of this podcast to set the record straight. Uh, all right, but 29 and 18, getting ready tonight for the second game of this long road trip, second game of the series against Pittsburgh. Talk to me about kind of the state of the team, where you guys at? Um, you know, like I think we need to pay attention to the, our recording dates and and how we play the night before because I feel like we have not won. <laughs> we have not won one game the night before we record an episode. But so we need to do Mondays because the, the team's 8-0 and on Sundays. So we need to start getting some Mondays. Right then, yeah, we'll, we'll schedule Mondays. Um, Yeah, no, I don't know what it is. Marcus made a joke last night. He's like, man, are we ever going to win a game against the NL Central? <laughs> yeah. like, you know, you go to Cincinnati and slip three times. Yeah. You know, that's how it goes. Like, the Cubs beat us pretty good. And, and yeah, but, you know, like uh, they're good major league teams across the board. You know, and... and Coming into these new cities, it's my first time here. Like, yeah, you know, you pay attention to the ballpark a little bit. Get out and take batting practice. See how the ball flies. Make sure you're taking your ground balls because every every infield plays different. But yeah, you know, that's a that's a scrappy major league team over there. They've had success early. They've got good pitching and they get timely hitting. And they just beat us last night. You know, their starter did a great job. We didn't do a good job. You know, uh, ruining his rhythm and and we didn't really get anything going offensively. And you know, it made a couple couple pitches didn't go our way and that's how it goes but you know that's why we get a chance to turn around and play again tonight and then hopefully win two and take this series as we go into the off day in Baltimore all right one thing though that is consistent since we last spoke is that this lineup is just it remains yeah right and 10 games all right small sample 20 games still early I mean we're, we're getting to a point now where even the biggest Astros fans can't deny what this lineup has done right and so um you, you. I think I asked you this. I don't remember if it was the exhibition games in Arlington or maybe the first few days of the regular season. Whatever the case was, it was early, and you just kind of had this, this answer is like, no, no, this is real. Like, this is people. It'll, people are going to realize what what we have here. And I still stand by that. Well, and I, I would hope so because this, this lineup has been unreal. And I even think about like last night. I know that the team lost six four, but David Bednar hadn't allowed a run in twelve innings. He comes in. Uh, you get a knock against David Bednar, uh, and then Josh Young goes yard and big one. But yeah, and then uh, Jonah has like a was a ten pitch at bat and almost yeah. yeah almost got on base. And then who knows what would have happened? You know, had that one worked out, mm-hmm. I think he just got underneath the pitch and and flied out. But like competed against a guy who's been a lockdown closer. It's just like yeah, he's a premier back end guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just I, I don't know, man. You were on the post game show the other day, and it's like I don't even know how many ways like. In my role, I can keep answering 
what impresses me about this lineup because I feel like we've played now what 40 what's the math 48 games 47 games 47 on like 43 of those the story has been not Nathaniel Lowe not Corey Seager not Marcus Simeon but the lineup and I don't know how to keep changing up my answer like <laughs> it, it, but I'm serious man. yes yeah uh, yeah I mean you know like there's there's just not really a hole it's just a matter of who can execute that day and that's the game you know but like yeah, the organization's done such a good job of getting good players on the roster, right? And then, you know, you give guys the opportunity to get every day at bats and they're flourishing. Like, look at Zeke, man. Like, Zeke's been on fire, but that's what he does, you know? Like, him hitting balls to the second deck seems like it's pretty routine at this point. Like, you know, if you hang him something, you're going to need a new ball. And that's how it goes. But he's hitting, like, seventh, eighth. And you get Leody, a second leadoff man turning the order over from both sides of the dish. Jonah hits from both sides of the dish. Robbie hits from both sides of the dish. Like, it's just good players on this team, man, and it's fun. Zeke's average home run distance, second farthest in Major League Baseball. What is it? Uh, it was still a 428, I think. Uh, <laughs> and Ronald Acuna Jr., the only one who's who's uh, got a longer average distance. Yeah, I saw too much of that. Yeah, but that's, I mean, Zeke, man, that's, yeah. that's pretty impressive. Yeah. All right, I do want to ask you, you know, the bullpen's had a tough time. Uh, there are going to be parts of a season where the lineup goes through a stretch and sure. the starters have to pick yep. you guys up or you guys pick the starters up or whatever. And right now, the bullpen's the unit where the starters and the the you know the hitters are trying to pick that group up as a position player. Mm -hmm. So not a part of that group. What and, and as someone who's also a leader in the clubhouse, how do you take a guy who's struggling, whether they're a starter, a, a hitter, a, a reliever, what's your approach? Do you put your arm around the guy and say, hey, man, it's going to be okay? Do you just let them do their thing because it's a pitcher and not a hitter? Are you maybe more inclined to give them space, whereas if it was a position player, you know, you'd be a little more involved in that? Like, how, What's that dynamic like? Yeah, you know, pitchers are pitchers, man. Like, I, I, I wish they could all stand in against themselves, like stand in the batter's box and see how good their pitches are. Because even their fastball right down the middle, like people forget how hard it is to hit 97 down the middle. And when you got these, when you got these guys in the back end of our bullpen throwing so hard, it's like, guys, like count leverage is everything, but it's not my job to say that. Right. Cause like, you know, I, I'm not a pitcher. I can never do what they do. Like I, I don't have their stuff because trust me, if I threw a hundred, like it'd be, I'd <laughs> want to put the bat down and I'd want to pitch like. You control the entire game when you have the ball in your hand. What do you throw? What, like, do you know what? What I would throw, yeah. I would pump fastballs. No, no would, like, what do you think your velo would be? 82. Okay. Maybe 85. I'll take the over on that, but okay. Uh, yeah, maybe I'd rip one, you know, just because But uh, I like my elbow in one piece. <laughs> yeah. So we'll leave it like that. But yeah, you know, like when, when bullpen arms are struggling, when relievers are struggling, you just got to be there, but be behind them, make place. You know, if they turn around, look at you, or they're listening for anything, come on, here we go. Let's make a pitch. You got this. Simple stuff. Just ball talk and being a good teammate because – you know, they same thing. They expect to make pitches. They expect to get guys out. They expect punch out pitches with two strikes or a ground ball where they need it or a jam ball whenever they can. Like, obviously, they stand up there to get guys out. And, you know, everyone struggles. So we just, if we score late, we give them a little bit more of a cushion. And, you know, we haven't, well, I'm not going to say haven't, but yesterday we didn't really score until it felt like it was too late. And then you give, you know, their back end guy a four run lead. Like that's, that's really tough to come back from, but yeah, as long as we control the tempo, get the, get the defense off their feet and back in the batter's box, then, then we're in a good spot. But it's just one of those things that this team needs to keep improving on. And that's a, that's a need that 
we see among teammates and you know you can't call anybody out for it and say like hey man why didn't you do this because i can't do that and it's not my job to do that but as long as you're there for them and you're going through the struggles with them then we'll go the way we're supposed to all right how do you feel like you've been going to the plate in the field what's the nate low assessment oh uh, it's coming around you know it's coming around uh, but again like I, we got the american league rbi home run leader in the clubhouse and and then young just hit his 10th yesterday i'm like Dang man, I gotta get going a little bit. You know, like you know, sitting at five in the middle of May or the end of May, you got another week left. Like, yeah, it's time to jump on the Homer train. But you're in the schedule though from last year. But don't get me wrong, I will take all the hits I can, all the ground balls that find a hole, or like the ball that uh the second baseman dove for the other day and I beat out. It's like, okay, like I'm I'm I've been waiting on those hits to come through. My swing's getting right, I'm getting better at swinging at the right pitches, like yeah, you know, Boach is leaving me in there in the three-hole hitting behind Corey in front of Adolis. Like, it's a good spot to be. I, uh, You better believe I checked your sprint speed on that infield hit there, and then the RBI singled that back to Moustakis up. Oh, yeah. Uh, I checked that sprint. So you're up around 28 points something. Bang. Look at you. That's above average, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, I, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, take uh, that, Bobby Bandolo. Because <laughs> <laughs> I asked him the other day. Uh, not the other day. It was probably like a week and a half ago because Young's in the cage and Bobby's in there and we're – whatever mess around about something i ask him you know where's my average sprint speed and bobby bandolo one of our you know one of our analytics guys is like uh you're better off asking me about bubba I'm like, <laughs> man don't take that away from me now like sorry i'm not a 30 foot per second guy like i'm not a burner but those extra steps matter so yeah like, hey. it feels good getting down the line having the umpire call safe you were eight for eight in stolen bases a couple years ago right i yep. mean you 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 can you can scoot a little bit. It's in there. Um, I just got to pick my pick my. Spot. Hey, That's what it. is Bobby saying? Your sprint speed is in the fifty sixth percentile. That's above not average. bad at all. Yeah, step above average. Yeah. On the so, baseball savant page, it's shaded a little bit red, which is that's headed towards the great. Like it goes, if it's blue, it's poor. If it's just like colorless, it's average. Right. And if it's red, it's great. Sure. And your sprint speed bubble is shaded red. I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I'll take go. it. Yeah, let's Bobby know. Right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Now we got a bet payoff here, or we haven't hit one yet, but I feel like we're going to hit one, and it's in line with what you just said. No, okay. no, uh, that was just that night. Stealing the base. No, 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 no. I'm oh. saying it's in line with what you were talking about, power. Okay, okay sure. Yeah. So I was thinking, because I kind of want to skew it in my favor. <laughs> uh, we got uh, eight games left on this road trip. Okay. And that wraps up the month of May. Yep. You hit two home runs the rest of this road trip. All right. Again, I'm I'm not I'm doing this because I want to win this. Okay. If I wanted to make it like fair, then I would have upped the number. Sure. You have to during so you don't always take batting practice out on the field. It's rare. Sure. But you will take ground balls. Yep. Every day. I, tell me if this is like a finable offense. Okay. You wear a Sandlot Children's Charity T-shirt one day. You take ground balls. Or is that not allowed? I. Uh, you know. I wish I could. Like, okay, so it's you have to wear like yeah, team gear, the on-field code. Yeah. Okay. All right. I would. Um, you have to wear it around the clubhouse. Deal. In no okay. problem. Two homers. Two homers this week. I will wear that. Let's do it. Chair okay. Chair. No problem. Uh, and my guy's been hitting the ball really well. All right. Uh, all you people who are just throwing messages in his uh, in his DMs. Back to back three hit games, three straight games, multiple hits, going the other way yesterday. You know, attacking that left center field gap. I love when you do that. Man. And that ball, the the changeup that I hit after Corey hit that sack fly, just hung. I didn't hit it as good as I thought. But, man, I yeah, I was a good pitch to do some damage on. I, I'm fine with that miss. Yeah. You know? But it only came out 
So I checked the numbers. I thought I, I thought I hit it better than I did, and it's big to left in Pittsburgh, you know, big out there. Yeah. But I, I thought I hit it better. Reynolds got at the track, but it only came out 98. If I get another just half an inch behind that ball, then, yeah, we're jogging and slapping five. Yeah. Uh, all right. So one thing defensively, I'm not sure if you get presented with these numbers. We're going to do fan questions a little bit. I'm not going to include this question because we kind of addressed – the question was basically, like, what are the things you did to improve defensively? And, and the impetus of the question from Gene Nephew on Twitter was that your your defensive metrics are you know much improved. But we talked about that last episode. We didn't talk about this specifically. I was looking up some numbers. Your scoop percentage. Would you get? Do you know anything about like the data behind that, or has anyone ever like presented you like, hey, your scoop percentage is X or Y or no? It was good last year. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, no, it was. I know it was good. I think I I, I want to say. There was a graphic that came out at some point that I was like 43 for 48 last year. Yeah. Which was, I'll take that, man. You you have consistently been really good in that department. And I don't I don't remember what the minimum is, like the minimum scoop attempts, but you were fourth in Major League Baseball out of 50. How about that? First baseman. I'll take that. What is the key? What? Why are you so good at that part of the position? Um. See, it's funny because that's a thing that I feel like I need to like improve on the most. It is like with where I'm at right now. I don't know, dude. The turf at the turf at home is kind of tough. It's like sometimes like pool table, right? Like it doesn't really bounce. Then we come on the road, the ball will like grab the grass and skip up, and I'm like, gosh, I'm gonna hit it. It's gonna hit me right in the nose. But I don't know. It's like finishing that play is like making a making a big play for the pitcher, making a big play for the infielder, saving errors, saving runs. Like when you when you catch that in between hop and it finds your pocket or like you put yourself in a good position to like make this out and the infielder maybe makes a throw that he doesn't want to or like a diving play and he goes to get it and throws it like I don't know, it just comes full circle. I feel like that's just like my way of being able to help the team. But yeah, like Beasley and I are out there every day now. Like at, not that we haven't before, but there was a couple that got away from me early that I didn't love. And I felt like I really could have, I, I mean, I know opening weekend, I could have saved Brock a run. Um, I could have put Jung on, they don't do web gyms anymore, but he made a really nice diving play and then short hopped me and it got away from me. And that was just embarrassing. Like there's a couple balls that have just gotten behind me and that's the worst, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just, I need to keep improving and we'll take it how it goes. If all someone did was listen to the last 10 seconds, though, they would forget what I said at the beginning. Fourth best in Major League Baseball. Oh, space. So, like, yeah. it, it's it's tough. And I, I wonder if you, it's in your head. I mean, I, you want to be perfect in every area, right? Yes. But I guess... Perfect, but just have a really high standard. Sure, yeah, yeah. You want to you wanna reach for the stars in whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. So, like, I tell you fourth, and in your head, you might be like, screw you, Jared, I want to be first, right? Yes. Like, which I would hope. Absolutely. Um. But I wonder if like your your feelings and your reaction to that is because it is such a team play. Like if you just boot a ground ball, like yeah, you feel bad for the pitcher, of course. But like when you when you don't complete a scoop, like usually the other guy gets the error. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, hopefully, like it, this stat, you know, it, it take this one to arbitration. I mean, you're saving errors for guys because you are scooping at such a high rate. Is that a fun, like, when I played first base, I used to love when they throw a low because I could scoop it because catching it here is boring, but I yeah. imagine, what do you prefer? Do you, like, fun every once in the chest? Okay, all right, you don't want to, all right. Out of mighty seek throws that ball so hard <laughs> across the infield, so hard. So, like, yeah, you know, when he gets behind it, like, it's 92-plus, and it, when it's skipping at a funny angle and it's got a chance to, like, come up and really hit you somewhere hard, like, 
that sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that really sucks. So making that play is just like such an added bonus. You get challenged enough in the batter's box. You don't need to be challenged. Yeah. Space. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know, but that's part of it. You know, like, like watch Hosmer real early this year. He's really good over there with the glove. Watch Rizzo a, a couple weeks ago and like he picks it with his eyes closed. Like it, these guys are just, you know, premier first baseman and they're such good defenders that it gives your infielders confidence. And then, you know, I'm not going to say they can throw it all over the place, but they get comfortable. And, and when you get players comfortable, like you're just going to perform better. So you got a better chance of getting it like at your head or in the chest. So, you know, like that's how it goes. But yeah, I, I work on that every day and I'm not going to say I'm like happy with the way things have gone defensively this year, but they're coming around. So we just got to keep improving one day at a time. All right. Uh, quickly, before we get into a little bit of your story, I, I find this ballpark beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure, like, the view. I guess, yeah, you still see the downtown backdrop. Uh, we have it from the booth. I mean, we're up with the birds. It's super high. But we have a nice view of the Allegheny River, and it's really pretty. Sure. I'm sure that for you as a player, like, that's neat. But, like, what are the things when you come to a ballpark, whether it's, like, food in the clubhouse or the the plane surface, like, what are the things that are most important to you? Mm, I I like knowing that I can hit a homer center field. So like in, in batting practice, like I try and drive the ball through the middle, you know, and like, I, I don't know at home. Sometimes it's tough. Cause you feel like you just can't hit cheap homers. Like you got to hammer them or you got to pull the ball, which, you know, pulling the ball is not really something that I'm great at, but it's something that I'm improving at. But you know, when we come on the road and I know that there's a chance that I can hit a big fly ball in the middle, that's got a chance to get out. Then like, you know, you take your effort out and then, you wind up do hitting it flush and it's going to go no matter what. But yeah, the, the middle of the field on the road, I think is like, that's a pretty good thing for me to look at because it'll just keep me on my approach. So this ballpark comfortable. Okay. Yeah. Comfortable. Yeah. America. Yikes. Yeah. I mean, there was two Robbie was telling me cause Robbie Grossman played part of the season in Detroit last year, been with the tigers. There were two balls hit out to center field at Comerica park games last year. It's tough. It's crazy in the major league. Yeah, that's not. It's not like it's. It's not like it's Jacksonville, which was Double A, which that was same thing. You know, that, that was tough. It was like there were two guys that have hit homers center field in the history of the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp or whatever they were, the Suns. You know, and and it was like Mike Stanton before he was young. Yeah, and then Peter O'Brien, and those two guys hit the ball to the moon. Yeah. And I, I remember thinking that whole series, like surely there's going to get a pitch where I can give it everything I got and see how it goes. And now nah, I, I, I mean. I had a double to right center that would have been out in a lot of places, but like, yeah, you know, when, when, when you get a big, big field and a, a big center field, like, I don't know, you just, you got to take your heads wherever they can. All right. Uh, June 3rd bobblehead. We got a little chin strap beard going on the bobblehead and he's not looking at the ball. Okay. Yeah. You're, so you're looking at, he's looking in the dugout. <laughs> is it the dugout or I thought you were looking out in the outfield. Whatever. We got the, the, the Nathaniel Lowe silver slugger bobblehead presented by Coca-Cola first 15,000 fans. It's going to be a fun game. The Mariners are in town, a divisional matchup Saturday, June 3rd. Uh, you have how many bobbleheads? Like, do they give you when you have your own bobblehead? I don't know. Brenna just told me this morning that we need at least 50 for my mom. Oh, just for mama, just for mama. Not for her, not for her, not for her. But uh, like to distribute. To yeah, her. yeah. Because I think we've got ninety confirmed yes in Tampa that first week of June. So there's a good chance that my luggage when we go to Tampa is just going to be a suitcase full of bobbleheads. It's amazing. <laughs> Do you have other bobbleheads of yours? 
No, this is my first one. Even the minors, you never? No, I never got one. I never stayed anywhere long enough. Yeah, I guess that it's probably a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but maybe, okay, I guess in my head, maybe one of your minor league stops would, but yeah, you don't want to be there too long to where you, no. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I'm pretty fired up. Uh, I'm going to take it as if your eyes are just like admiring a home run. Following a home run. Yeah. And you got the silver bat for the silver slugger. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I like I it. I think I saw another one too. I'm pretty sure I got a Star Wars outfit. You got oh you're you're part of the Star Wars one later on I think so Ooh. at least I've seen it on the screen okay yeah all right I don't I don't know if I I like again if it's on Twitter I missed it but yeah I don't know uh, I just was pretty fired up when we were doing the reads I was like yeah my guy's got a silver slugger bobblehead let's go uh, all right uh, Whataburger spicing things up again with an entree unlike any other it's the Buffalo Ranch chicken salad with crispy bacon blue cheese and Whataburger's one of a kind buffalo sauce Nathaniel loves it you should too uh, try it with grilled chicken. A what a chicken fillet or a spicy chicken fillet today. It's available for a limited time over at Whataburger. All right, Nathaniel, I want to ask you about you. Uh, so I hope over the course of the season we can really get into various parts of your story, your life, your journey. Sure. Uh, really, only touched on this with you, but I wanted to get into like the college years or like the end of high school into college because there are guys who get drafted into the majors or into to professional baseball uh from high school sure and they're you know big first round picks there's the you know straight into like a, a major blue chip university junior college that's a popular route um you know then you got the guy who's a you know senior sign which you know that's uh, typically guys like to sign prior to that for leverage purposes and just to get going sooner too i'd imagine sure uh you got international free agency. There are a lot of ways. Baseball is unique. There are a lot of different avenues to to begin your professional career. Yes. I'm curious about yours because you bounced around a little bit in college. Yes. Uh, so let's start with senior high school or okay. whenever the, the, like, what was that process like for you in determining where you wanted to go? Mm, so my junior year summer, right? I sold my soul to the East Cobb Astros. Right. We played 114 games in 60 some odd days. And I thought a very popular club. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Huge yeah. travel ball. Yeah. yeah. Like it, and it was a powerhouse for the longest time. And now, you know, perfect games moving all their stuff there. So all the amateur events at some point run through Atlanta. And yeah, I played for the premier 16 year old team. We were 108 and six that summer. We 108 and six. 108 and six. That's and two awesome. ties. We tied, ties. yeah, two ties, 108, six and two. So who else you play with? Like who is anyone else of note? Jacob Hayward, um, Daz Cameron, Tyler Stevenson. Like there, there were a lot of guys, that, you know, played, yeah, played some low level minor league ball. And then I think they're coaching or working with some people now. Um, yeah, we had some good players, man. And, and really good amateur players, guys that turned into pretty good D one players, couple draft picks. Like, you know, it was, it was fun, but you know, you play that many games, you're not going to play every game. So uh, it, it felt like, I don't know, I didn't really help myself out. Like when you're playing part-time, it's hard to play, hard to play well. And I spent my junior summer thinking, all right, well, as long as I'm on this team, I'm going to get exposure. I think, well, yeah, you know, we played 116, 114, 116 games. I hit one homer. And it was like the very last tournament of the year. I hit this ball way out to dead center. And everyone's like, man, I didn't know you could do that. I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, it's you know? Where, can you tell me, like, at that point, are you looked at on that team as one of the studs? No, not a, okay. absolutely not. Okay. No, we had, and 
you know, we had a lot of division one players that were crushing it, you know, guys hit 20 plus homers and all this other stuff. And we'd win these tournaments and boat race, everybody run rule, all these teams play these five inning games and win by 10 or 15 after three was still a thing at that point too. So we played a lot of 8am three inning games. Like, I mean, you know, you're done at nine 45 after you just beat somebody 17 to two. It's like, all right, well, we got two more games today. Let's go to the hotel, like drink some water and turn back around again. But yeah, so I thought that I thought if I was just on that team that summer, that magically a college coach would swing by, scoop me up, and say, "Hey, you know, here's a scholarship, come play." Not the case. So I had <laughs> I had this generic letter typed out, and I had I would copy paste schools, right? So I'd send a letter, Vanderbilt office, Clemson baseball office, uh, University of Georgia, all these other schools, like these big SEC, ACC schools, and and I'm pretty sure like I had told my parents that I mailed them out and I stuffed them away in a drawer. Cause I was like, you know, I, I, I just didn't like it. And I was not proactive with recruiting. I, I didn't play football that fall because I did the fall baseball circuit, went down to the, whatever it is, another perfect game classic in Jupiter. And I think the big tournament, like for the exposure, I went like one for one with nine walks. Like I, I had, 10 at bats over the three or four games, whatever it was, pool play games in front of the quote unquote scouts and coaches and all that stuff. I got walked a bunch and I had like one single. So I was like, well, kind of spinning my wheels here. And then my senior, my senior spring rolls around for my high school and my high school coach was like, Hey, you know, if you're serious about college baseball, we'll help you. Great. You know? And I was bouncing this preferred walk on offer from Georgia tech, um, a preferred walk on at Clemson, which out of state, is pretty expensive, but my ACT scores were good enough that it would have got the cost relatively down. And then a couple JUCOs, and I thought, you know, like, yeah, maybe JUCOs not for me. And then Mercer rolls around at the end of my senior spring, and at that point, like, I'm, I'm killing it. It's high school baseball. Like, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And they're like, okay, well, you know, if you want to come visit, we'll you know, talk to you about this offer and all this other stuff. My travel coach was really pushing me towards Georgia Tech to be a walk-on and I don't know I just I just wanted some sort of promise from the school like with just a little bit of scholarship so that maybe you know scholarship athletes I guess feel like you're valued more by the coaches because you're not going to give somebody a half scholarship or a full scholarship out of 11.7 right because it's still 11.7 for 27 roster spots that's crazy yeah that's what people I think you know in football basketball you're there five full right yeah you're I mean they give a USC they gave the head manager, like the equipment man, student manager, a full ride. Yes. And the assistant a half. And like we're sitting over here across the street. And it's like our best first round pick baseball player at USC was like on like a 33% scholarship. Dakota Hudson. Dakota Hudson was our Friday night guy. He was first round draft pick by St. Louis Cardinals. He's in and out of AAA in the big leagues now. And he got his scholarship, I believe, pulled from him. And he was a walk on throwing Fridays his draft year which is crazy because that's how college sports works. So yeah, so I take the Mercer offer and I commit that summer and I go back, I was down on uh, down on campus in Macon, come back to Atlanta, play my summer game. My summer coach like wasn't really happy about it because he was kind of feeding guys at Georgia Tech at that point. Um, and um, yeah, and so then I get to school and I realized there's three sophomores out of 11 from the year before. So eight, had, eight had either gotten cut, quit, or transferred. So... Not a great sign. And then I realized, wow, like my scholarship is backloaded. Like maybe this is how things work around here. And like, long story short, Mercer just wasn't for me. You know, like I, I 
got promised some things and then felt like I played fine in the scrimmages, felt like I played pretty good in the pre-spring scrimmages, and then, you know, sit bench, sit the bench. Here, you're going to DH this game, sit the bench here, and then go to a midweek and it'd be like, hey, like, fourth, fifth inning, like, hey, you ready? Let's go in and here, take your at-bat. I went and three. That at-bat was like, they were going to judge playing time on that. Oh, rate, yeah. Right? Like, yeah, you, you better get three yeah, hits in one yeah, at-bat. Yeah, you know, yeah. how dare you not hit a homer? Yeah. Like, it's college ball, you get a metal bat. Like, come on, we're playing, <laughs> you know, school of the blind Wednesday afternoon. Mid-major, right. major, mid-major midweeks or something. Or you go to the, or you go to Georgia Tech, you go to Florida, you go somewhere go to Auburn the grass is greener you know you see these big time d1 schools and you're like whoa you know maybe this is where I need to be and yeah I went three for 31 my freshman year I played seven innings in the field you needed six to redshirt and I hit under 100 so I hit 097 my freshman year coming down the stretch it was like okay I, I I'm not comfortable here I, I'm not really not really doing great I don't really love the environment everywhere we go on the road looks better like you know, and my dad was pretty, my dad was pretty involved. I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to say I wish he wasn't involved, but maybe he was just kind of, he was just looking out for me. Right. And then my head coach got wind of it and was like, Hey, you know, your dad's shopping you around all this, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he expressed his unhappiness with me at that point. And then over the summer, I, I wind up finishing at Mercer and I, I'm playing in the Atlanta like collegiate summer league right which is like basically a 19 under travel ball like with eight teams around Atlanta you just kind of drive around and go to the field and play and I had I had a friend that I had played with travel ball um my junior fall and he had said hey you know we need a first baseman I'm at St. John's River State I'll have my coach come watch you and all this other stuff and they didn't and then like a couple games later the recruiter shows up I hammer ball off the wall and like after the game, he's like, Hey, here's our head coach's number. We need a first baseman, but you have to go to campus and meet him. And I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Like, I don't really know anything about it, but we had a family friend who's a scout. The guy who actually picked my dad, um, was still a scout in the Northeast Florida area. And what's his name? His name was Luke Wren. Yeah. He, he worked for the Diamondbacks for a really long time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wait a second. Um, Luke Wren. I want to. Does he have a son, Taylor Wren? Do you know? I'm not sure. Okay. I think his son played at USC briefly. Uh, anyway, okay. go ahead. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So Luke is covering that area and was like, yeah, Ross Jones and the guys at St. John's River State do a great job of turning out Division One players, Division Two players, uh, draft picks, all this other stuff. Like, you should go down there and see what's up. I go to campus in Palatka, Florida, and it was like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> this is a middle school. Like, it, there's nothing here. It's a baseball field, tennis court, softball field. There's like a performing arts division of the school. There's four stoplights in the town, and then it's a stop because it's on the St. John's River for Bassmasters. And you know when you're in Palatka because there's a paper mill. And so, <laughs> so quite literally, the place stinks. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I'm on campus, and and beforehand, like actually, back that up real quick. Before I got to campus, I had called my head coach at Mercer, and when I when he answered the phone, he said, "Hello, who is this?" I was like, oh my gosh, I spent a year for you. You don't even have a yeah, belt number. number. Yeah. Like what like what are we doing here? Like I, that's how irrelevant I was to that program. So I told him, you know, like I, I'm I'm done. I'm I'm gonna transfer, blah, blah, blah. And he was quite animated on the phone. He was not a happy camper to hear that I was gonna leave and go somewhere else. Which is so bizarre based on the way they treated you, right? But that's like college baseball. That's college sports a lot of like that's college they, sports in general. They feel like they got you trapped and they're going to treat you however they want, but the minute you look out for yourself, it's like, why, yeah. you're an awful person. Yeah, but at the same time, though, like, they're dealing with 
insanity, right? Because they put food on their table based on the physical performance and mental performance of 17 to 22 yeah. year old males. <laughs> like, no, that's fair. Like, you, you know, you're signing up for crazy. So yeah. So he was not happy. I, I left, I got to St. John's river. I walk in the office and uh, the, my head coach at St. John's River is watching a YouTube video of like a grouper getting caught and a shark eating the group. <laughs> I'm like, what have I got what am I doing here? Hey, Nate, hold on, hold on, watch this video real quick. I'm like, what is it? God almighty, you see this shark eating this grouper? I'm like, yes, uh, this is where I need to be. This is exactly where I need to be. So, uh, you know, he's like, I if I'm going to give you this scholarship, I got to know on campus now that you're coming to school. And I was like, you know what? I feel comfortable here. This is where I need to be. I'm going to do it. That was one of the best years of my life. Do you still talk? What was that coach's name? Ross Jones. Do you still I talk to him all the time? Okay. All right. I talk to him all the time. Is he still he's fishing? The, yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He's, the, yeah, he's still the head coach there. He's the athletic director there. They're turning out great players. It's a really competitive program. You know, like uh, they're doing what they got to do. I got to go back for a banquet last year and like, hang out and, and, uh, yeah, it was a good time, but, um, no, that, that staff was so supportive. That community was very supportive. And our, uh, one of our assistant coaches who was the recruiting coordinator at the time, his name was Will Coggin and he had played at Mississippi state too. And he still had an in with Nick Mengione, who's now the head coach at Kentucky and Minge was the recruiter at Mississippi state. And so there was a connection. And so sophomore fall goes by nobody knows who I am. I crushed it. Nobody knows who I was. And, and so there's no offers. So sophomore spring rolls around. I'm like, gosh, I only have like six more weeks on campus. I don't know what's going on here. I'm an eligible sophomore. I need, I'm going to get my AA degree. I want to go back to the division one program because I'm just, I'm not ready to get drafted. Like I'm, I need to play high caliber amateur baseball before I try and play any pro baseball. And yeah. And then it was like clockwork, man. It was like, it went from nowhere to just about anywhere in the sec. Like uh, barring Florida, you know, because Pete's there doing his thing, and and Pete being Pete Alonzo, Pete Alonzo, yeah, yeah, and you know, a couple of the places had guys locked down already, and it was like, okay, well, I could basically pick just about anywhere I wanted, and Mississippi State was great because the the final straw for me was after I saw campus. Campus was incredible, the field's incredible. Like Duke Noble is a treat. If you're into college baseball, amateur baseball at all, you need to make a trip to Starkville and see what they got going on out there. The lounge is awesome. And now they've rebuilt everything. It's even nicer. It, it doesn't have the same rickety old feel because there was a while there where they were like zip tying center blocks with like <laughs> lawn chairs on top of a plywood platform, 15 feet in the air. Like, hey, dude, it's a, it's a sight. If we could pull up a picture, you should. Um, but what John Cohen got me with was, I will give you a fair chance to compete for a starting spot. And that's all you want to hear from a college coach because any college coach that tells you that you're the starter before you get on campus is lying. They're saying that to recruit you. And that's what it took. And so I, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is the place I'm going to be here. I had some friends that I grew up with in Atlanta that were playing there. My roommate actually at St. John's river had transferred out of Mississippi state the year previous. So he had spent a year there and he had and good things to say or not as a whole he's like yeah, yeah you know it's great like there's there's plenty of positives there and my sophomore year when i was at juco they went three and 27 in sec play and i went oh what am i getting myself into like i i after i committed i was very ready to decommit and go to south carolina like i because they were rolling and then we turned around and we won the sec like then we went from worst to first and won the regular season but yeah he had Last second had, you know, said like, Hey, I, I said, you know, 
I know you're going to lose guys to the draft because there's always a shuffle, right? There's always a scholarship shuffle. But if you can promise me a quarter, like the bare minimum, the quarter of an athletic scholarship, I will commit right now. And I did. And man, it worked out so nice. Like the playing at that level of college baseball was incredible. I played with first round draft picks. I played with later draft picks. I played against a lot of first round draft picks. I'll never forget Brian Reynolds hitting a ball to the moon against us. And, you know, we play this, play him this series and, you know, he's, screaming and yelling running around first base i'm like who is this guy that like, you know he's you know major league all-star switch hitting center fielder brian reynolds like yeah oh, I went, went to vanderbilt yeah vanderbilt there played. you go um but yeah guys all over the place i mean dane at florida and those guys in there that team was stacked stacked i'm pretty sure dane was throwing midweeks this draft year he was yeah he was like a reliever yeah yeah like it was uh, he, he was going back and forth between like starting midweek and then once they really got in the thick of conference play yeah i think they decided hey like you're too good for us to just burn you midweek. So you're going to come out of the bullpen because they had like AJ Puck and Alex Fayetto and draft here. Jack. Yeah. And you was still like a first round pick. Dane was a first round pick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, you know, uh, like, yeah, Logan Shore was throwing Fridays. He was pretty high pick, uh, Fayetto Saturday. And that was supposed to be Puck Sunday. And then they filled in with somebody else. Cause Puck got OR, Jackson Coar. He might've been a freshman. Okay. I don't know. Brady Singer was there too. Yeah, like, yeah. All these guys, you know, like and Major, Pete Alonzo, Major League starters. Is India there? India was a freshman. Okay. Right. Yeah. Good player. Yeah. Um, another, they had a catcher, Mike Rivera playing in the minor leagues. Um, Buddy Reed was a pretty high pick. Buddy another, Reed. Yeah. Yeah. Center fielder. I missed Bader by a year. But no, there was good players on that. Uh, yeah. Gosh, what was the other guy's name? There was, um, there was a catcher who caught with the Reds for a little while. I had a funny last name. Like there was, it was a lot of good players in that division or that league. Oh, uh, not was it uh, Schwartz? JJ Schwartz? JJ Schwartz. That was his. Okay, I, I don't know. I messed up. Okay, on but that. it's still another guy that was like, yeah, it was like an all American yeah. player. Yeah. That, Crushed it. Yeah. yeah, and and wound up playing in the major leagues. You get all these guys together on amateur teams. Like you know, it, it, the SEC was such a great for pro baseball yeah i mean you know they say it's like they say it's like high a competition uh, and i i would like ush for that i would say if there was a way to slam all the starters in a row and pack them into two weeks and so you play you know whatever it is 13 14 games in two weeks and face those guys back to back i would say it's it's pretty even but you know in college you get you play tuesday you get wednesday thursday friday or Wednesday, Thursday off, you play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you get your legs back onto you Monday, and then you play again three days out of the week. But yeah, it, the SEC was great. And I mean, such a treat, man. And I was so not ready my freshman year. Like, I would have gotten steamrolled if I tried to play as a freshman. Okay, so that falls in the category of it all happens for a reason, right? Yes. Which uh, I'm curious where you said that other than Florida, you had your choice of SEC schools. Yeah. If it wasn't Mississippi State, it was going to be where? South Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Ball flies. Was that, a, was that a tough, like, were you really, like, wrestling between that? Or was Mississippi State like, hey, this is this feels right. If they don't give me the answers I really feel good about, then I'll talk to South Carolina. Yeah, no, it just felt right. And then they, they told me the truth from day one. They told me the truth from day one. Yeah, when I, because, uh, you know, they, they take you around. I had lunch with the pitching coach. Like, what do I need to hang out with pitching coach for? You know, that was a character assessment on their part. It was probably because they trusted his opinion, and now he's the head coach at Auburn, or he was the head coach at Auburn. I don't know if he's still there, Butch Thompson. So out of that group, we have John Cohen was our head coach, right? And now he's the athletic director at Auburn after he got promoted to the athletic director at Mississippi State. Nick Mingione was the recruiting coordinator. Will Coggin was a hitting coach, and Minge and Coggin are the head coach and the third base coach at Kentucky. Kentucky. 
and Butch is the head coach at Auburn. So like the, the guys are going all over the place. And our pitch coach was uh, after Butch took the Auburn job was Wes Johnson. Yeah. Wes big Johnson. Yeah. Uh, went to the big leagues. Big leagues. Twins. And, and then in the middle of last year, Whoops. went back. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he's at Arkansas. Is Arkansas or LSU? One or the other. Yeah. Yeah. One or the other. But, but the, I think, I guess he got more money to go to LSU than whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. He's from Arkansas. I think he said he would only take the Arkansas job. Yeah. He was leaving Mississippi State, but you know, the big calls yeah so I, I don't blame him yeah i would take that job too and you know like you have to work with guys like i don't know if Odorizzi was there in in minnesota but i know kyle gibson was there there were a lot of guys who got to work with wes johnson and i he's a treat to be around man he's very positive good yeah. guy good pitching coach good guy that's interesting i i wish we had maybe we'll next episode kind of dive back into this because i have a bunch of questions but you got a game we got to get to we got to ask a few fan questions and get you out of here but that's thank you for sharing all that because I think for some guys, I don't want to say there aren't road bumps along the way, but like there are a lot of guys, it's just a very linear, hey, I'm going to go, Brian Reynolds, let's go to Vanderbilt. I'm going to win a College World Series as a freshman, being the team's best hitter. Yep. Two years later, I'm going to get drafted, and now I'm a big league. I get traded for Andrew McCutcheon. Now I'm, you know, an everyday center fielder hitting in the middle of the lineup. Yep. You can't, you, you like, just got paid too. Just got paid, right? You, your path was not so linear. And I'm sure there were a ton of moments. I didn't, we never talked about the high school side of it. Uh, I'm sure there are like a million moments where you're like, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I can play at whatever level, but like maybe, I, I don't know. I, I tell my mom my freshman year, I don't know if I want to play baseball anymore. It's crazy, right? And, and, and gosh, I, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> if you're craving a Dr. Pepper and you want the creamy satisfaction of a Whataburger shake, you can have the best of both worlds with Whataburger's Dr. Pepper shake. Treat yourself to one while you can. The Dr. Pepper shake is only at Whataburger for a limited time. We mentioned Hannah just got married. Congrats. I think she had a uh, Dr. Pepper shake after her wedding, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. So uh, we love our friends at Whataburger. We appreciate their support. All right. Uh, I, I pulled a, a bunch of fan questions. We're not going to be able to get to all of them. So I'll save these for next time. I do need to get to one from Sad Burner Rangers something. Sad Rangers Burner, uh -oh. who asked a question I was supposed to ask last time. I didn't. We were talking, I think, two episodes ago about Corey and how I think it had to do with like home run celebrations nice. and how you're pumped. And I think a lot of people are pumped. This team doesn't throw a guy in a grocery cart and run him up and down the dugout. Yeah. No, no issues for teams that do that. Uh, but like Corey's a guy that just, you know, he's very, Hey, I hit home run. Yeah. I'm going to run around the bases. I'm going to give you a high five and yeah. let's get out and get ready to do it again. Right. So the question is, what's the happiest you've ever seen Corey Seager? Happiest I've ever seen Corey Seager. Like outwardly show. Because he is a very even keel. I know it is. Gosh, I know there's a moment that. Mm. I mean, Hall rate it. What he Hall in six straight last year? Was that it? Like, uh, yeah, there were definitely some points. It there was that, five. Five. Yeah, whatever it was. Yeah, there were definitely points in that stretch where, like, you see all of his teeth. Like, he's actually, <laughs> you know, actually smiling. Uh, like, okay. All right. Yeah, I don't know. I've seen Corey pretty happy, like, when he gets to go to the golf course after a game, going to say like after after games, that's a big one for him. Okay, yeah, yeah, like he'll he'll play a couple holes at, at his at his place. Um, Fortnite, maybe. So I don't know. I don't. That's not a thing. No, no, he would he would smoke me in that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I can't exactly answer that. I I can't say there's one moment off the top of my head. No, that's good probably, though. But probably yeah. When when he had that homer stretch, he was a very happy guy. All right, this one from Tony. I like this. this is a baseball question. Okay. From his son Rowan, what do you do to keep your hands in on fastballs inside to still get good contact? Ooh, uh, <laughs> don't swing at it. <laughs> swing at something else. <laughs> um, 
No, you just got to hit the right part of the ball. If you're hitting the inside half of the ball as hard as you can, then your hands are going to be in the right spot. Um, keeping your hands in to cover that pitch is hard because it's like, okay, I have a good swing, but if I'm not picking the right pitches to hit, then what's that swing going to do for you? You know, so there's certain counts where you sell out in or like the Ortiz guy that we faced last night is running a four seam that has to start way in there. Like if you're going to go after that, you just have to pick the right part of the ball and sell out in. But a lot of damage is done out over the plate too. So you just have to pick your times. All right. Uh, this from Gallagher champ. What exactly is your on-base celebration after getting a hit? It reminds me of the Charleston. I'm pretty sure it's not the Charleston. Please help. The Charleston. I, that's a day. Yeah. That's I know. I know. Okay. Dances. I can't do the Charleston. Um, when I hit a double. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like, yeah. The, yeah. I wipe my hands across my knees. Cause that's what the caddies say at these country clubs when you hit the ball in the bunker. Okay. Thank All right. Yeah. Cause okay. yeah. So there's a warning track, right? Yeah. It's dirt. Yeah. You hit the ball in the dirt. Okay. You double. Cause usually I need the ball to get to the fence to get the second base. Okay. All right. Let's... <laughs> hey, we talked about your sprint speed earlier, but, yeah. Yeah, but I'm not, you know. Okay. Last one. Uh, if you could, from no, it's Becca, if you could create a dream team to play with players dead or alive, what would that lineup look like? Not going to ask you to, to give me a lineup, but are there two guys, not Rangers. So you can't pick any of your teammates that way. You're not having to choose amongst your current guys. Right. Is there, are there players dead or alive active or retired who you're like two or three? You're like, I would have loved to have been able to play with this guy or these guys. I would love to hit second in front of Barry Bonds hitting third. Okay. <laughs> <See what pitches laughs> That's you get? A lot of jogging around the bases and a lot of pitches. To yeah. Hit. Okay. Cause they're not walking me to get to him. Um, yeah, I mean, he's the greatest summer hitter of all time. Like, yeah, Barry Bonds. And then, um, I don't know, just out of childhood, like memories. I'd love to play with Chipper. There you go. All right. Have you met Chipper? I forget, but never. I right, gotta change that. Uh, all right, man, let's, uh, we got two homers to go. Let's go four. All right. We can double, uh, you're out. You're off to a great start. Team's off to a great start. Yep. Keep it going. Appreciate it. Yep. All right. There you go. That's another episode of the straight up Texas podcast back with you in a few weeks. Uh, thanks for joining us.